Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the SAC Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. To call what you know the U.S., did in Afghanistan is a failure is I think kind of missing the point. It's like it, it, you, then you believe the fiction that the United States actually wanted to do something or some sort of good thing in Afghanistan. And what they really did was like a transfer of wealth of like what, $2 trillion from taxpayers to the owners of weapons manufacturers. I mean, like the be- the bearded Chomsky like yelling at you, like it's the corporations, man. Like that guy's like broadly right. episode of the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. You've seen me from this show. That's fucking right. This show right here, the Bituation Room, which has been going now for over a year. No, over, okay, almost three years. The point is this. It took a long time to get here. It feels like it's been 15 years. Welcome to the world of podcasting. But we are here. We're so excited to have you here. I'm excited you press play uh, on that little PCAST. And uh, we have such a good show. Um, you know, not all good news. I feel like the Taliban got word that like it was my 100th episode and they were like, yeah. And I was like, no, no. But that's what we get. You know, that's what occupation hath wrought. So we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about the latest anti-vax insanity, which has to do with semen and uh we're gonna talk about the infrastructure bills that are coming down the pike and all the ways that these moderates are trying to stymie it um in addition to the things we're bitching about and then of course in honor of our 100th episode we're keeping it 100 all right how are you keeping it 100 what are the thoughts opinions ideas the things you just know in your soul and heart save them and tell me uh we've got a great show nando vila is here Jennifer Jajay is here. Super excited to have them on the podcast. But first, you might notice, oh, dear viewers on Twitch and YouTube who have already pressed the like and subscribe buttons and rung the bell, that I am wearing a piece of merchandise, the fucking Frantifa. Wait, wait, don't cover it up. Don't cover it up. Here we go. Frantifa, our newest piece of merchandise, our our one of... multiple things we've got on the new store. Now you can throw it up. Bituationroom.com. That's right. We got shirts. We got totes. We got stickers. And the best part about it is it is all from Fee Marketing, which does AOCs and Bernie Sanders uh, swag. So it's all union made, all made in the United States. Uh, Sped no expense. Sped no expense. Um, But get your shit there swag yourself out um i think that's how you say it it's not but i want you to be dripping in F- frantifa swag situationroom.com if you are a patron uh and you've been a patron uh for three months at least uh i'm sending you swag all right that being said that's that's for my top tiers my top tier patrons 
all patrons get 20% off, though. Uh, you will get a code when you become a patron. Patreon.com slash room. You get a code for 20% off. If you've been a patron, I will send that to you right now. But for those top-tier patrons, the Innermost Cabal, the Orchata Armada, the Franny Pack, all those people, man, you've been there for me. You really have. You've been for the, here for this podcast, for the comedy, for the analysis, for everything in between. And, and I hate to get so goddamn sentimental, but, man, I am. And I, I'm super... Uh, thankful to have you guys as an audience and and thankful for the small but mighty team uh, that we are from across the globe. So, yeah, you'll be getting that. And I'm super excited and so happy uh, to give that and provide that to you on this 100th episode. Holy shit. Uh, another announcement, in addition to all that, is that the Bituation Room is going to be live. That's right. Live, in the flesh, in person, COVID safe. We got an outdoor fallback, but in Portland on September 2nd, which is a Thursday, uh, I'm going to be in Portland with Matt Lieb, uh, with a local organizer named Max Smith, and then with a guy, an, a civil rights strategist, uh, thinker, um, writer, author named Eric Ward, who has written all about white supremacy and um, and sort of like the foundations of white supremacy and anti-Semitism, and uh, he's super dope. We're going to have a great conversation. It sounds serious, but I'm sure there'll, there'll be some levity. But that's going to be live. It's at the Alberta Abbey, if you know where that is. Tickets, uh, you can get them, bit.ly slash Portland. bit.ly slash Portland. Get them tickets. I want to see your bright, beautiful faces after all this time. Uh, obviously masked. Obviously vaxxed, okay? Don't be giving me the fucking Delta. Um, but that'll be so good. It'll be so, so, so good. And, and just to thank you once again for being here and for joining the squad, joining the Frantifa. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. Um, wait, wait a minute. What have I done? We've got to thank the, let me be real, few but mighty big tippers and patrons um, who have given to this podcast. Uh, so without further ado, here is what I hope is the audible fart song. Yes, 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 yes. We've got a lot of space, uh-huh, because there's not many people. But uh, let me get there. Thank you so much to Anna D for becoming part of the Orchata Armada Girl. Uh, Anna told me her whole, like, she just got arrested by California Highway Patrol for some BS trying to film them. Anyway, F that. You're dope. Uh, to Big Tippers, Karen K. Thank you so much, Karen, as always, every single week. You really come through. Uh, to new Twitch subs, DGN193. I hope that you're subscribing on Twitch, everybody else, because that's all we got for this week. I'm muy sad, but wait, hang on. Hang on. I also want to thank Robert Gilbert for the tip. Um... And uh, I think that's it. Wait, hang on. Let me check my. I'm like, let me check my cash app. By the way, if you're wondering how you can become a big tipper, TBR Live on Venmo, TBR Live on Cash App. Yes, I will slang. Uh, you know, slang for these hoes. Um, Joseph L, thank you so much, Mauro. I don't know if I. I thank you, Mauro. Mauro H, thank you so. Mauro, Mauro, eh, Mauro, sei italiano. Bene. 
Molto bene. Okay. Um, before, before I fully get into it, and I know it's going to be a long show and whatever, but I, I just want to shout out all the people who've been on this show and just thank, you know, everyone from all the guests that we've had um, to the comedians that we've had who've like rolled with the punches. You know, we've had Basim Youssef. Um, we've had Nato Green, obviously, my Nato Green, the homie, Matt Rogers, um, J.R. Jackson from TYT, Sam Cedar from The Majority Report, Stephanie Kelton came on to talk all about, uh, um, you know, modern economic theory, Alicia Garza talking about BLM, Robin D.G. Kelly, just the sweetest, most thoughtful uh, 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 mind and and most creative revolutionary, I think, of our time. Um, Ken Klippenstein, Jamie Loftus, I'm just going through all these. Um uh, uh, Trita Parsi, Anthony Atamanik, Bill McKibben was on, Naomi Klein's been on, just just Kim Kelly was on, just the best people. And of course, my boo Matt Lieb. Love you, and thank you for being uh, my, uh, my bonus bitch, which is, he usually comes on the bonus episodes. But let's get into it this week. What are you bitching about? Okay, uh, very quickly, um, I am going to just say, because we've got a lot, of get, lot to get to today, um, I've been sort of up in arms, annoyed at the lack of seriousness that uh, progressives in California are taking this recall of Gavin Newsom, which could actually happen, and then we'd be stuck with someone like Larry Elder or uh, John Cox or uh, a YouTube influencer who people swear is really good and his politics are great, but he's like a landlord influencer, and I don't, I'm not, no, we don't need more inequality in our housing market, uh, but I'm glad you got a few people rich, including yourself, that's fine, cool. Um, and so I, I, you know, I created content. I did a TikTok. I did a TikTok all about how messed up and how undemocratic this recall system is and how bonkers it is and how much I fucking hate Gavin Newsom and I hate having to defend him. But the system itself makes it such that like even DSA in this state is like, y'all, we have to vote no on this recall if we want to actually make progress and move forward with any kind of, you know, plans for the future, just plans just to have a future <laughs> and someone in my comments and I usually don't give a shit. Like I don't give a fuck what you put in my comments. Go comment. I'll block your ass. I'll dunk on you. I don't care. But this guy was just like, Francesca's such a shit lib. Francesca's such a shit lib. And I like, let me explain to you, homie. Understanding the political process doesn't make you a shit lib. All right. It makes you smart. Just because you understand how a recall works and you're strategic about that doesn't mean you're a lib, doesn't mean you support Gavin Newsom. And this is my thing. You know, my mom, for example, is not a socialist. She's not a radical. Maybe some progressive ideas. She's a fairly standard liberal. She made hella calls into Georgia to flip that election, right, for Warnock and Ossoff. How many calls do you feel like these lefties who whine online made? How much did they actually work when it came to, like, changing the balance of power in Washington so we can finally get shit done? Or at least we have a chance to, let's be real. Right? Like, that's not a radical act, but actually it is. Actually, it might just be kind of a radical act to actually put, do the work. 
vote no on this recall. Get people to fucking vote no. So I'm just, I hate the the bullshit purity and the like, yeah, 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 shit, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's radical is just staying at home and whining about everything, just not doing anything and then having a really pristine analysis of why everyone else is doing it wrong. And that's honestly what I hope to promote on this show is very much a, a revolutionary optimism and um, and a positivity that is is based in in action uh, and not based on only seeing the Internet as a place that you organize. That's why I bring on organizers. That's why important to bring organizer. OK, I'm done. <laughs> All right. And with that, joining me in this little hot box of revolutionary optimism uh, is an L.A.-based actor and comedian who's performed on stages across the U.S., the U.K., and the Middle East. Her TV credits include the Emmy-winning Amazon show Transparent and Netflix's Messiah. But these days, you can mostly find her on Zoom getting upstaged by her rescue dog and cat. Please welcome Jennifer Jajay. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Yep. I like that your cat is just, like, sexy as shit behind you and, like, hey... Yeah, I'm I better than Jennifer. I was literally looking at her, giving her the stink eye. Like, don't even think about coming over here. It is way too early in the broadcast. Like, give it an hour. <laughs> Last broadcast, uh, our associate producer, Ellie, um, her new cat jumped on her laptop. And so she made a magical appearance. And um, and it was very, very funny and cute. Like, they And now we've put that cat down. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't. I sent my dog away today. I was like, you're going, <laughs> you will be somewhere else for the day. <laughs> All right. Before we get too into this, I want to bring in uh, the host of Jacobin's Weekends, uh, who has a recent episode called Lawmakers Keep Failing the Homeless on the Homelessness Crisis in California, um, out on Jacobin's YouTube channel. Check that out. Please welcome Mr. Nando Villa. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for joining us. Doing really good. <laughs> Very good. On this someday, you made me feel optimistic with your little intro. Oh yeah, yeah. You oh, know, things could be bleak, and you know, now I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Good. Hey, if I if I can make Nando feel less cynical, I've won. <laughs> the 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 calmest, uh, yeah, the calmest person on the left. I feel like you are. I'm sorry. I'm just adjusting <laughs> this. Um, like I've made him feel hope, but okay, we this is not a time for hope. Unfortunately, this is a time to bitch. So we open our show with "What are you bitching about?" You heard what I was bitching about. I want to go to you both, Jennifer. What are you bitching about? I'm always bitching about Palestine. I'm always bitching about Palestine. Honestly, as a Palestinian, like really, it's like number one on the topic of lists to bitch about. Um, it's fallen off the radar for everybody. I feel like with everything that was happening in Gaza a couple of months ago, all the bombing and um, death, uh, yeah. that people were like up in arms and, you know, mobilizing. And I felt like people were speaking out. And now it's all but kind of disappeared and uh, on to the next crisis. So it's frustrating to me that people, um, you know, the occupation didn't end, like the suppression and the, you know, kicking people out of their homes and arresting people and harassing people and killing people that didn't end. But, uh, you know, the appetite for the next media cycle is here and on to the next. Right. Right. Because those displacements in East Jerusalem and Sheikh Jarrah are continuing. Ongoing, ongoing every day. And, um, 
yeah, people are fighting for their lives. People are losing their livelihoods. I mean, there are, you know, tragic, tragic videos of people coming out and like watching their home be demolished yeah. and elderly people just watching their homes be demolished and uh, being given the option of demolishing their own home or they can have it demolished for them and pay for it, you know? And so it's just completely devastating. That's and so it's crushing. really... Ugh. Yeah, it's like, you know what, we'll give you a discount, demolish your own home and 50% uh, off, you know, the, the idea. Right. <laughs> you, save on, you save on parts and labor if you demolish your own home. Exactly. You, know, you have to pay some soldier to do it for you. Yeah. It's like, exactly. If you wear <laughs> the flag as you're doing it, it's free. You're like, damn it. All right. Yeah. Um, that is a good thing to bitch about. Very important not to allow, you know, the media's sort of cycle to dictate how we talk and when we talk about Palestine. Um, but yes, um, always on our minds, as they say, as the slogan goes. Um, Nando, what are you bitching about? I'm bitching about a uh, fairly, I mean, I would say innocuous thing in the grand scheme of things, thing, things given, given what's going on in the world and all the political crises we're suffering and, you know, the situation in Afghanistan and Haiti, all that stuff. Right. Caveating that this is like not actually that important. <laughs> um, I, I've just been I've just been aghast with like more 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 just stunned at this new Spanish right wing meme. You know, I'm from Spain originally. My family's all from Spain. Yeah. Um, and the, there's like a kind of. Uh, um, a new emergent kind of radical right wing in Spain uh, led by a party called Vox. No relation to Ezra Klein or his uh, website. <laughs> but what if it was? But, uh, though? What if it was? I mean, I that's one of the things that, you know, if I was keeping it 100, you know, one of the things I really believe is that Ezra Klein is a secret founder of Vox. <laughs> uh, but uh, their new thing is that this week marked the 500th anniversary of the conquest of Tenochtitlan uh -huh. by Hernán Cortés in the Aztec Empire, and they're very uh, mad that no one is celebrating that fact, that Hernan, Hernan Cortes liberated uh, hundreds of Mexican tribes from the oppressive and cruel and brutal Aztec regime and Montezuma, and that Hernan Cortes was not a conquering genocidal maniac, uh, that he was actually a liberator, a hero, Worth celebrating. And he's like, why, why? They're like, why is no one celebrating this? Like, this is so weird. <laughs> and uh, that, that you know, we liberated one of the most brutal, uh, you know, we ended one of the most brutal regimes in uh, human history. And I'm just like, I can't believe that anyone buys this shit. You know, like, I, I don't even know how to react. Like, I saw people in my family's group chat talking about this and stuff. Really? And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin to uh to dismantle this like this is just so insane that anyone would believe this shit <laughs> because so there's a meme that's actually kind of like making the rounds on family chats it's like yeah, yeah. how come we aren't celebrating that yeah damn totally like and, and vox vox tweeted it out uh they tweeted out like some big thing um and you know talking about this and and people are just like yeah uh, you know this is this is something worth celebrating yeah of course you know like look at the aztecs they were brutal they sacrificed virgins and stuff and i'm like oh my god <laughs> the like, rewriting the rewriting of the conquistadors is just amazing like that yeah. it's like is it our time now? Liberates, can yeah. we are we liberators now okay yeah. cool so it's like woke to be pro conquistador like yes no, no, yes. no. <laughs> yes. No, I love, first of all, you yes. know that there was someone celebrating that in the United States and his name is Mel Gibson. And 
look, he's got. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen that movie. What what the hell was the movie where, where it was basically apocalypto? <laughs> yeah, it was like, which the whole thesis was like, you see, they they were savages before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. The, and the other thing that they're saying is that, like, what are you talking about? Like, the Spanish con conquistadors were humane compared to the British. Right. You know, have you ever seen like, there's no mestizos in North America. You know, there's there's no mulattoes in, in North America. In Spain, we would sleep with the natives right. and we would intermingle with them. The British, they would not touch the natives. Uh, and I'm like, you people are like, why do you <laughs> even so care bad. Like at this point? Like, why do you feel the need to do this? <laughs> like, who gives a no, shit? No, I know. <laughs> you know, like, you, no one. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's benevolent. The what? Uh, the, the myth of the benevolent rapist. Exactly. It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, but it's before crazy. we murdered them, we procreated. Anyway, no, it's so true. We're going to get into that, actually, a little bit later, because there's some new census data that hot census data just dropped. Y'all were excited about the IPCC mm. report. It's about that census data. So we're, we'll talk about mm. uh, people of mixed origins. Um, uh, in fact, let's get into the week. Um, a lot of things happened this week. Uh, this was back to school week, y'all. And to celebrate, DeSantis signed an executive order banning school districts for making face masks mandatory for their students and staff. Yay! Biden uh, is going to help with some cash uh, to those schools who go against this draw, uh, this whole thing. Um, a QAnon father murdered his two children because he thought he was saving the world from monsters, uh, despite himself being the actual fucking monster. Uh, Britney Spears' toxic father We'll step aside in the battle for conservatorship. Yes. Amy Coney Barrett surprisingly refused to block a plan by Indiana University to require his require students and employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19, which I think makes her pro-choice. <laughs> um, and as if Haiti weren't dealing with enough, uh, recently there was a massive 7.2 earthquake that left and has left more than 700 dead. Uh, but for everything else, this is the week where... This was the week where anti-vaxxers hit their broiest, as some are claiming that their unvaccinated semen will be worth millions of dollars in the future. A concept so dumb, it makes you wonder how any of them found their way to the egg in the first place. Dudes, uh, dudes on Reddit are saying things like unvaccinated cum will be the next Bitcoin. Got to bring this up. Is unvaccinated sperm really the next Bitcoin? Ta-da! <laughs> And I honestly see the correlation. Look, because like the more you talk about Bitcoin, the more cum you'll store in order to sell because you're certainly not getting laid. Um, but are they right? Are they right? Surprise. No. Uh, on the contrary, being vaccinated exponentially raises the odds that you'll get sick being being unvaccinated. And if you contract COVID, your swimmers will too. The SARS-CoV-2 virus has been found in testicle and penile tissues of those infected and could lead to infertility and erectile dysfunction. Uh, or as Brett Ehrlich of TYT says, schlong COVID. That's my favorite joke. In, in people who've contracted COVID-19 and in those who've recovered, the virus has been detected in their semen too. Mm. damn it damn it um also the irony of all this is that sperm banks apparently under covid are having like a really hard time actually filling their supplies right now 
they're looking for donors. So um, I don't know. Maybe this has taken more of a hold than we think. Um, what do y'all think about this? Have have we reached peak unvaccinated conspiracy? <laughs> I mean, I, you you two live in LA just like I do, right? I mean, I, I, you know, the, the anti-vax thing predates the COVID stuff, certainly here in LA. I mean, it, it was worse when I moved here. Uh, five years ago, I was like shocked at how prevalent it was compared to Miami, which is not like some progress. You know, it's not like really not like Miami's that great. But um, yeah, it was like way worse here. And I just I've never really understood where it comes from or like why specifically vax Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, vaccines to. Is it her fault? It's, Do we, is that like she's the one who we have to blame for all this, right? I think so. Yeah, it's it's woo woo white women. It's for sure this weird spiritual woo woo white lady thing going on in LA on the West Coast that is definitely pushing this agenda forward. I mean, I know so many uh, 30-something white girls who are like, I don't want to get vaccinated because I want to have a baby and it affects your fertility. And I'm like, okay, where are you learning this information? One even told me her doctor, her um, naturopathic doctor, told her not to get vaccinated and (laughs) offered to give her a fictitious vaccination card jesus see i was like i was wondering where these people were getting because people is that legal no of course it's not legal to have a fake vax card i mean who's gonna enforce it obviously if if you do have a no no it's it's a crime it's a huge it's like you can do jail time if you have if you are like carrying a fake vaccination but you'll be served only vegan food you know as per your QAnon shaman god you know indicates (laughs) indicates <laughs> no it is very much like women who are able to and people who are able to buy their they think that they're buying their way out of like real science because they've been taking like non-fda approved supplements for so long and this is just another it's like that's the other thing is like people who've got covid and it sucks there's a lot of breakthrough cases they do have lasting erectile dysfunction like that should be a major reason to get a vaccine and to be very 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 safe other people are like, now I can't taste coffee good. Now coffee tastes like ass to me, which is like Matt Lieb was like, oh, now I'm wearing a mask even though I'm vaccinated everywhere, like no matter what, because I, I need coffee to taste okay. What if coffee starts to taste like wow. cum and they just sort of switch and then you come coffee? Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I think I, that might be worth it. What's up? <laughs> I think you're torturing more people than you're helping. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if, if Gwyneth Paltrow's on board, I'm sure she'll pay top dollar for some vax free cum. You know, she she's rich. She can do it. But yeah, your your point, Jennifer, about it's boo-boo white women. I mean, I think that that's the real red brown alliance because I mean, people are are saying this is a partisan thing. And I know that like Trump, you know, is pushing his people to, to you know, and that's that's definitely having an effect. But like I see plenty of like what you would describe as like, you know, progressive new agey type people in Santa Monica who are who are against it. So I feel like that's the real that's like the red, the budding red brown alliance is like people who do like crystals and stuff. Yep. And uh, and like MAGA types. Who knew? Uh, they could they could form their own little. Yeah. They they call it. There is a name. They call it Wooanon. Um, this oh. is the new thing. It's Wooanon. It's pastel QAnon. There's like ah, uh, there's a whole. It's fascinating and disgusting and scary. But it's so true that like it was just like a pile of, you know what is it like tinder and then someone like COVID just lit a match and now they're all coming together um around being anti-vax i feel for the children i like i actually now i'm like a save yeah. the children person 
because of these people and their kids who are like, I oh got, <laughs> what are you doing, mom? You know, why are you yelling at people in yeah. a Trader Joe's? <laughs> Save the children from, I, I, <laughs> you know, the fact I, I pride myself. Yeah, go ahead. The fact that I find really weird is that there is not like there are nobody's dating or getting laid. So it's like, you would think all these men would just be rushing to sperm banks to like make some cash off their like backed up load. I don't <laughs> understand what's going on with that. Like, or, you know, maybe this is the advertising they needed. The show is the advertising they needed to know that that's available to them. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, I heard you can make some decent money doing that. Well, giving, you can def definitely make money giving sperm, which like I kind of get like in COVID times, knowing that there can be COVID in sperm, not wanting to go to like a place where there's lots and lots of sperm. Um, but like you could bring it in probs, you know, it's a good way to make money. Look, those unemployment benefits are running out people and people need donors. People want to make babies. Um, so uh, do that with your vaccinated sperm. We are a pro vaccinated sperm podcast. I want everyone to know that. Um, and, uh, and with that, Let's move on because, uh, you know, there's more in the news. This was the week where Joe Biden showed that he could unite the Senate in passing legislation once he backed away from all of the things that he believed in. Uh, the Senate passed a one trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which includes uh, just five hundred and fifty billion dollars of new spending um, in things like bridges, roads, sixty six billion dollars for Amtrak's. Uh, for Amtrak, which is Biden's, you know, personal little pet project, which is enough money to bring that rail system into the year 1989. Tight. Uh, there's woefully inadequate money, though, to deal with climate change, of course. Here was my favorite part of the infrastructure discussion. Um, the legislation also includes more than $300 million to develop technology to capture and store carbon dioxide emissions from power plants and $6 billion to support struggling nuclear reactors. Struggling nuclear reactor. Like, the phraseology is so funny. Like, oh, my God, I don't know. I'm just a struggling nuclear reactor. I'm, like, waiting tables and, like, doing auditions, like, whenever I can. And, you know, I'm just trying. I'm just really struggling out here. Um, but... The other thing that if you noticed in that is that there's going to be a whole study on the job losses associated with Biden's decision to cancel Keystone XL, which is like, yeah, no, that's totally what we should be doing right now is being like, how many jobs did we lose by not destroying the planet? Um, so, OK, before we get into the discussion about this, uh, 19 senators did vote for that one point trillion or one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Um, and the entire idea, if you haven't been following, is to break this into two pieces, right? So it's to pass the infrastructure bill bipartisanly, uh, which they did in the Senate, and then pass this budget reconciliation in order to get more the everything that was left out, which at this point is three point five uh, billion dollars or trillion dollars, excuse me, three point five trillion dollars. Um, that includes things like home care, money for housing, clean energy, tax credits, transportation, innovation on green tech uh, and the like. And that needs a simple majority to pass. Right. Bernie Sanders as budget chair put this up. Now, here was a plan. I'm sure you guys have been following this. Progressives were like, we don't want to pass the infrastructure bill if you don't also attach the budget reconciliation to it. So we're going to withhold our vote. We're going to wait until the Senate clears the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation. Then we'll vote on it, you know, kind of like, you know, leveraging to prevent against the filibuster, blah, blah, blah. 
Nancy Pelosi, surprisingly, super on board for this. Nancy was like, okay, we'll get it done. We'll do that so we could da 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 da. Now, of course, moderate Dems in the House say they don't want to do that. Nine House Dems tell Pelosi they won't vote on the budget resolution till infrastructure bill passes. Nuh-uh. And let me just say, look, I rarely say this, guys, but let Nancy fucking legislate, okay? She's only good at one thing. She's not good at empathy, but she is good at whipping votes. She can do it. She can do it. But now they're, so now they're holding out. And then like clockwork, like fucking clockwork, guess who else doesn't like the $3.5 trillion budget? Key Democrats say the price tag on the $3.5 trillion budget blueprint is too high. Senator Joe Manchin III, I don't care why you got to have the third. Really? Uh, West Virginia, key Democrat moderate, announced on Wednesday that he was unlikely to support a $3.5 trillion economic package just hours after he helped advance a budget blueprint that would allow his party to craft legislation with that price tag. This man is the most fickle bitch, I swear to God. Uh, so not just Mansion, Cinema is also like, no, I don't, mm, I don't want that. I don't. It's too expensive. Um, this has got very wonky, real fast. But what what do you guys think, uh, Nando? Have you been following this? Do you think this will get yeah, over the I've finish been- line? Um, I, I, I suspect that there's like a 60% chance of it getting over the finish line. I think it's better than 50, 50. Um, I think one key thing, well, I mean, really it's, it's a, it's a game of chicken right now between, um, the conservative wing of the Democrats and, and the sort of more progressive wing. And it's interesting because the, the house majority from the Democrats is so thin, um, the, the progressives and the, and like those nine Congress people have the 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 swing votes essentially like they could bring the whole thing down if they wanted to both sides could mm-hmm. so they're really just like staring at each other like who's going to blink first i suspect that with the president behind this um i mean i think by i get biden is like desperate to pass both these things yeah. um i suspect with the president behind it i don't think that these kind of nine nobodies that are you've never heard of like they're just like they're nine of like the bums that you never heard of. <laughs> like literally you've never you're heard a of bum it. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think they have enough institutional backing and backbone to be able to, um, stand up to the entire party, if that makes sense. Um, especially if, uh, the progressives indicate that they'll, they'll, they'll knock it down. If this is like, if, if Pelosi caves on this, um, which is possible, um, that, that, you know, AOC and all these people would, will, would knock the whole thing down. Like you need the mutually assured destruction, um, for this to go through. Um, the three point, the, the one, the bipartisan infrastructure bill is like totally awful. It's like just truly awful. I mean, the fact that 19 Republican senators voted for it just tells you all you need to know that this thing is like just a heinous, heinous bill. But the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill would be maybe the best piece of legislation to pass in Washington in 50 years. Like it's like literally that it's that there is no, no comparable piece of legislation since probably the great society uh, from Lyndon B. Johnson, or maybe some policies that Nixon passed like the EPA or whatever, but like nothing, nothing like that has been passed in since the 19 early 1970s Mm -hmm. and would be pretty transformational. and would probably save Joe Biden's presidency, which is already kind of on shaky ground. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the political fight of, you know, the last several decades yeah. at least you know like it 
Obamacare looks like a joke compared to this. And think about like oh, how God. transformational that seemed in this time. Right. In retrospect, not so much. But like, yeah. And this is like a, you know, this dwarfs that by orders of magnitude in terms of the expansion of social welfare for regular people, uh, you know, the reduction of the Medicare uh, age from 65 to 62, uh, the child tax credit, all these things like would, would genuinely improve the lives of millions of people uh, in a way that legislation just doesn't do in Washington or hasn't done in, in, in decades. Mm -hmm. Not to mention it's the most consequential climate bill in U.S. history. Like, hello, we need to I, I'm all for the progressives, pull, you know, pulling this move and trying to really pressure to push these two bills through together and not split it up, because that just seems like a game that they are not going to win. Yeah. Well, and and no, of course they won't win it. Right. And and the fact that Nancy Pelosi is on board is like that gives you a sense of that she understands they're all, it'll get filibustered if they don't do this in that se sequence and in that order. They don't withhold their vote until the Senate fucking comes correct. Um, and this is totally like if progressives cave on this, then I'll become one of the it's a fraud squad. Like I'll be like the fraud squad people if they if they like just vote for some bullshit because, you know, they they have the upper hand, I think, or at least a ton of leverage. Um, but yeah, man, of course, mansion and cinema like. What do you guys want? What do you do? You want a statue? Do you want like? Do you want like a Scrooge McDuck? You know, a swimming pool full of all the money that fossil fuel companies and others like gave you. We'll give you that. You could swim around in it, but just vote for this. These are two states that would arguably disproportionately benefit from the things that are in the infrastructure bill. Um. Anyway, let's move on. Let's let's take that pause as a hint. Um, this was the week. We're moving on. This was the week where our grand plan was revealed. And by our, I mean the multiracials, the mutts, the hyphens, the half-breeds, the one-drops, the hoppas, the blasians, the mestizos, the mulatos, the Korean tacos, the middle lever on the soft serve, baby, the swirls. We revealed that we will inherit this land. Let me explain. Because the new U.S. Census data dropped, showing that for the first time in U.S. history, the white population declined. Let me pull this up. The share of white of the white population fell from 63.7% in 2010 to 57.8% in 2020, the lowest on record driving by driven by falling birth rates among white women compared with Hispanic and Asian women. The number of non-Hispanic white people shrank from 196 million in 2010 to 191 million. White people. Does this scare you, Nando? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like one of those, like, uh, you know, like the, I have to check like Hispanic white or whatever. There's like, right. a, there's like a subcategory. You know, there are literally dozens of us. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's I mean, they've been talking about this kind of, the, you know, the demographic shifts in America for I mean, certainly since the last census, I remember in 2010. Yeah. Um, when I, I mean, maybe it's because I was at Univision and that was like a big topic of conversation. Right. You guys Univision were like, at the hell time. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, about the emerging his emerging Hispanic population in, in the United States. We and, sold many um, shows on the demographic shifts shifts in the United States. Totally, we were like, we need totally. oh, yeah, more yeah. Spanish language, Latino, but English language shows on Latin America. Anyway, um, 
that was exactly it. <laughs> he made millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, <stuff>. totally. Right. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm obviously joking, putting it on you. But, you know, fragile white people are freaking the F out. I'm not pulling the Tucker Carlson clip where he's like, see, um, you got mad at us for talking about the great replacement theory, but it's kind of happening. <laughs> That's what he says, right? Well, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to I've got to admit to you guys that I actually am the white person in the room. Um, I didn't mm. want to let you guys know, but as a Middle Easterner, we are technically considered white. That's true. Oh, Mina region, oh, Middle East, North African, Iranian, we're all considered whiteies. Um, so that's I'm true. curious, you know, with this shift, if like people are deciding to like define themselves differently in terms of like, is does that like is part of the shift of what's happening that like. Hispanics and Middle Easterners are now like refusing to check the category of white or where, like, I'm wondering how much that plays totally, out into. Totally. I suspect, a, I suspect a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what the, a lot of folks are saying, but also, um, people are doing it and having kids. And that's why I yeah. talk about the rise of us. Cause I want to say that of course, while the right is freaking out about, oh, no, there's not enough white people, birth rates, the birth rates, oh, my God, of Western civilization, you know, they're replacing us. Why do their dogs say guau instead of bark? You know, all that stuff. Um, the reality is not so straightforward. In fact, it's not that there are more there, there are, in fact, more white people if you consider that there are more multiracial people. So this is from NPR. This is an interview with, I actually don't know who this is, but they say it depends on how we're defining white. If we talk about people who checked off only the white box on the census form, the size of this group and its share of the total population have dropped over the past decade. But if you expand the white population to also include people who checked off white and one or more of the other racial categories, like a me, then the white population has grown since 2020, since 2010. And the bottom line is that white people still make up the largest racial or ethnic group in the United States. You hear that, white people? You're not going out of business. You're setting up franchises. You got to understand this, all right? You got spinoff brands. (laughs) Just ask the Spaniards in Tenochtitlan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this you hear this a lot in Europe and you hear it a lot in Israel. You know, you mentioned uh, Palestine earlier, but like, you know, Israelis talk about like demographic changes all the time. And you hear it a lot in France. Uh, you know, there are some people in France are very freaked out that like, you know, Muslims might be able to vote in like a majority uh, in in their parliament at some point. Right. And uh, you don't hear it as much in the United States. Like you do hear it like Tucker Carlson, obviously, like, you know, talks about it all the time. But it's not as widespread as as it is in, in Europe where they talk about this shit all the time. And I remember in the last census, uh, like, again, I was at Univision at the time and, and we, we spoke to a lot of political scientists um, who at the time, this was like the Obama years, and they were like, these demographic shifts are going to ensure this permanent democratic majority. Do you guys remember that? Like the, that whole talk? Of, uh, and I don't know. I don't know. We, we covered it all the time yeah. about how the demographic changes were going to. And it then and then we got Trump, you know, and I was like, well, what the hell is going on? Um, Voter suppression. Just, oh, right. 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 <laughs> like, 
Yeah, that there, there's definitely like that's like the big that's the big thing is that like the institutions of this country are rigged in such a way that even though white people are two thirds of the population, their political power is is even greater than, yeah. that, you know, because of uh, you know, the, ma the makeup of the Senate and gerrymandering and voter suppression and all, all that stuff. Um, so the, the, that demographic is destiny argument that a lot of Democratic strategies made uh, back in the late Obama years just hasn't really played out and it's and it's and it's it was just i feel like it was a way for them to be complacent in their uh appeals to voters and in their and in their attempts to fight voter suppression you know they they just didn't they didn't see that the right was just like yeah. organizing furiously and 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 <laughs> instituting all these laws all over the place um to to do that and and they just did basically nothing to stop them with one of the th sort of factors being like well you know we'll we keep on getting more POC on our ranks and they're going to, they're taking over and, and, and we'll be fine. Um, and it just didn't really play out as, as what they thought it would. Yeah. I mean, it was very much, uh, taken for granted, um, that the new immigrants, like this is Tucker Carlson's entire thing. It's like they're importing Democrats and it's like, okay. Um, and a lot of things yeah. <laughs> here, a lot of things have to happen <laughs> for you to do. They're importing, importing voters. No, they're not. Not if you're like keeping hundreds of thousands of people detained or deported. You know, like imagine if the world of like they're just Democrats, you know what? They, they're just rolling out the red carpet and treating immigrants so well and then just setting them up with, you know, telling them about their rights and helping them vote. It's like we wish we wish that were happening. No, they're doing just the same policies yeah. that Trump was doing, except they're not, yeah. you know, totally separating children from their family members. They're imprisoning them all together. Yay. Yeah. And like, and the other thing is like, <laughs> you know, and so it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of like want to call the Dems on taking for granted that people of color, and it's the most cynical essentialist identity politics ever that you assume that people of color without your attempt to help or do anything or deliver for their communities are going to automatically vote for you. That's the real story, you know? Um, but anywho, <laughs> yeah. I love that. So I love the idea of like some like Democratic Democratic Party bureaucrat, like at the immigration importation office, you know, uh, interviewing people from like Guatemala and being like, what are your thoughts on Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> yeah. You know, like what's your, you know, like, yeah. hey, oh, you like her? Come on in, baby. You know, <laughs> that's like a Project Veritas, like, you know, uh, like some yeah. kind of video that they'll totally go to the border and be like, so show a picture of Pelosi. Do you like Nancy Pelosi? Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah. what? What are your thoughts on this woman? See, <laughs> you see. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting how the demographic threat rhetoric of like these crazy right wing uh, governments like the Israeli government um, is now like trickling into our crazy right wing elements. And so it's like yeah. totally reflecting that because I remember as a Palestinian, we were always referred to as demographic threats mm. and it's oh, like, yeah. well, step it up Israelis have some babies. What's your problem? Like we're just like, we're sorry that our birth rate is so fantastic. <laughs> But we're kind of like bombed into oblivion and all we can do is screw. So, you know, it's kind of your fault. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, we, have, we, we can't, you know, you're stuck in your village all day. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I, I think it's very, it's really interesting of this like fear of the minority takeover because we've been told as minorities for years, like, 
there's no discrimination there's no this like you got we now and it's funny now the majority is like fuck no we don't want to be minorities like we will do anything to not be the minority so like totally it's interesting how like that dynamic of like oh what does that uh power play mean to you and like what are we upending yeah what actually what, what do you mean play? by equality here Right. Oh, no, not, not demographically equal. And by the way, I do just want to say, I know I said it facetiously, but, you know, I am Chinese and Italian. My parents are both immigrants. And I am very, I obviously, we need an anti-racist politics, but I'm like, also, you could just sleep your way to anti-racism. <laughs> um, not always, but I do believe in, like, heavy interracial mixing. And I think America agrees. Um even though multiracial Americans are a relatively small part of the population, the increase over the decade was substantial. All right. Number of Americans who identified as non-Hispanic and more than one race jumped to 13.5 million from 6 million. The number of Hispanic Americans who identified as multiracial grew to 20.3 uh, 20 million from only 3 million. In all, the two groups now represent about 10 percent of the population. Um, yeah, we've I've got some other some other crap, but uh. I also think it's kind of cool that you can I don't think you could check two boxes years ago in earlier senses. So it's changing. And this is the last thing I'll say on all this. I've been reading some critiques because every time this census data drops, it reinforces. I saw in the comments, you know, um, the concept of whiteness in and of itself. Right. The cons, these concepts mm -hmm. that like do and like scare the the the, the racists um they scare the nazis uh they use them as recruiting tools and they are ultimately like you know we're not talking about multiracial americans and how there are more white people if you consider that there are more multiracial people like no one's that's not the headline the headline is white people are having you know the birthing rates are declining and i feel like no one is actually being um honest about the stats and certainly not talking down people off the ledge because it's a great headline. Oh, yeah, white people. Oh, this will we, we really want the Nazi click. You know what I'm saying? Um, so look, if you are fragile about the declining birth rates of the white community, um, you might be a little, you know, you might be a little fashy. Just watch, watch the fash. Whiteness is a construct, and uh, you know, you be have some Irish pride or wherever the fuck you're from. Let's move on to our big topic of the week, the Taliban. Boop, boop. Okay, no. Um, but first, before we get into Afghanistan, I wanted to go to some comments. Uh, Stephanie Smith on YouTube, thank you for the super chat. Are you going to do any sort of meet and greet when you come to Portland? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, I'd love to meet you. Let's smoke a blunt. Yeah. Okay, so you have to be the last one I talk to because I can't, I can't be high and the mask will go down and I'll just slobber all over. It'll be weird. Uh, on the unvaccinated semen, loudest carry on Twitch, save the children from their parents. Absolutely. Ashes 0610. My kiddos tell me her friend who is still going to school says no one has a mask. I haven't checked in with my brother yet. I need to. I'm a great sister uh, to see how his first week of school went. I bet it was difficult. On the infrastructure bill, Fonzu on, on uh, Twitch. Oh, the Dems are corporate owned. Hashtag surprise Pikachu. On Mansion and Cinema not passing That's the bill. Twitch. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Twitch is... Love Twitch. It was a hashtag, though. That feels like more of a Twitter thing. Um, okay. No judgment. Okay. 
But Ghost Dog TV, give them all the statues so we can tear them down again soon. That's on Mansion and Cinema. On the census, Theo Dillon, who runs the world? Swirls. I swear to God, I love that is probably the f- my most favorite comment ever in the history of these hundred episodes. There you go. Theo Dillon, thank you. And Ashes again, yay, says this pale-ass mom, LOL, I don't mind being less white supremacist. (laughs) You shouldn't. Very good. You passed the test of the census. Um, All right. We're going to move on to uh, this week. Uh, Obviously, it only took a couple weeks, but the Taliban have recaptured Afghanistan. This is the sitch. Did it, did it. So, um, yes, the Taliban has recaptured Afghanistan, uh, specifically Kabul, after the longest and most costly war in American history proved a worse failure than those of us who marched in the streets against it could have even predicted then. Um, the last couple of weeks, the Taliban have been advancing, taking city after city, as the United States um, had a pretty swift withdrawal, and uh, they've recaptured them. Uh, and then today on Sunday, Kabul fell and President Ashraf Ghani departed Afghanistan. Here he is. All right. We're waving. We're mm. saluting. We're uh, goodbye. And my work is done. That was so easy. Mm. So that was President. One more wave. Yeah, could have done some. Some peace signs, but we didn't get the peace signs. Um well, I feel like we need to just roll credits on this now. Just kind of like, but up, up, but up. Obviously, there's a lot more to say, but I have been livid about this all day. Uh, just the unconscionable amount of failure given all the money, given the $2.23 trillion, which is definitely on the low end, the amount of fraud and waste, the bloodshed, the refugees. Um, and they're the military, the so-called, you know, the trained U.S. trained military, Afghan military, was not able to uh, resist any of this. And there's a lot of reasons why. I'm just going to go through some uh, some tweets that I saw and appreciated um, from Zishan Alim, who I believe is a freelance reporter with MSNBC. He writes, the reason Taliban fighters are succeeding is not because they're crushing Afghan security forces. It's because the security forces are not fighting. Why? Afghan security forces have been working out deals of accommodation and surrendering quickly during the conflicts with the Taliban because they're not properly supported in terms of logistics, reinforcements and supplies. They don't have a sense that costly fights are worth it. Uh, He goes on, the U.S. has built a security apparatus in Afghanistan that could never fend for itself. Uh, Experts like Adam Noah, who explain that the U.S. has built an Afghan security apparatus that over relies on U.S. support and a small set of Afghan special forces. The upshot is, is that Afghan security forces were essentially destined to be overrun when the U.S. left. Uh, That is a failure of U.S. policy. Um, I was going to bring up a photo of like the the head of the head like the Taliban leaders sort of basically in parliament running stuff. Um but it was I didn't I, anyway, I'm sorry. They look they were very much like we in charge now. I dare you to say shit. Say shit. Um but thoughts, responses to this news. Um Jennifer, how you feeling? It's devastating. It's devastating for the people of Afghanistan who've endured decades and decades of warfare and occupation and 
pass the hat. And what are, you know, it's for the women in Afghanistan who are now being left to what kind of fate under Taliban rule? Like, this is absolutely unacceptable and heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Nando, what were your what were your reactions when you saw this happen so quickly? Well, I mean, I, I guess the 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 reality is, I mean, there's all these there's all these pe like kind of security analysts and policy experts and stuff talking about um, the so-called failures of U.S. policy in Afghanistan, and um, I just think that that's it, it. It makes you it makes you believe the fiction that had the United States done something slightly different, if they would have just implemented some other tactic or something, it would have been better. The reality is that the U.S. occupation had no social base um, in Afghanistan, and the fact that the government, whatever whatever that was, just evaporated as soon as the U.S. stepped out means that there was no social base at all. Um, if there were a social base, there would be, so there would be, you know, people that were there willing to defend it, but there just wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to call what, you know, the U S did in Afghanistan is a, a failure is I think kind of missing the point. It's like it, it, you, then you believe the fiction that the United States actually wanted to do something or some sort of good thing in Afghanistan. And what they really did was like a transfer of wealth of like what, $2 trillion from taxpayers to the owners of weapons manufacturers. I mean, like the the bearded Chomsky, like yelling at you, like it's the corporations, man. Like that guy's like broadly right, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, like he, that guy is right. And, and, and that's what the Afghanistan war was yeah. for 20 years. There yeah. was no, there was no, it was to, to think that we could have done something different and built like a stable, humane, you know, situation in Afghanistan is just imperialist, imperialist hubris, like, you know, to think that we have the not just the ability, but the right, the you know, the moral obligation or whatever to do something in some far flung place in the world, um, you know, just misunderstands the the, the nature of how imperialism works. Yeah. Like if you're not willing to do it, you know, like meaning like kill a lot, a lot of people and like occupy a country forever. Like you're just it's never it's never worked. and It's never going to work in, in any human society ever. Yeah. Like there will be resistance. People don't like to be occupied. Um, people will fight back. And 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 that's what happened in Afghanistan. I mean, mm -hmm. I just think that the only the only humane thing that the United States could have done in Afghanistan, um, you know, the only, I mean, I think I supported withdrawal, uh, you know, forever. I, I opposed the war when it happened, but I supported withdrawal forever. And the only humane thing that the United States could have done is a robust refugee policy where we would have just let in like, you know, as many people as as, as wanted as they as they that would have been the humane thing to like, you know, offer, you know, free uh, flights. Relocation. They're, yeah, they're the United States uh, treated like the they're Cuban Cuban I mean, refugees. You know, somewhere escaping yeah. socialism. Come one, come all. Totally like that. Exactly like that. And that guy who was talking about like you know the United States created this uh, you know relied on so-called Afghan uh, special forces. The Intercept uh, just a few months ago did a massive investigation uh, about these so-called uh, special forces, and really what they were were these death squads that were just murdering children in schools. And like they documented dozens and dozens of massacres in schools uh, that these CIA trained death squads were were carrying out. Yeah, on, and, you the, know, the, and like, you're then you seeing, wonder why the Taliban has more of a social totally, base. Totally, and you're seeing like, oh, Warlord X or Warlord Y departs Afghanistan. It's like, what do you mean, Warlord? Like, yeah, because the U.S. instead of the Taliban, of course, was just turning to warlords. 
warlord not yeah. better than taliban <laughs> like you know what I mean? how does this make any sense but that's what we did and one of the best books on the afghanistan war um i've already talked about restrepo on this podcast i've done two hours on afghanistan if you want to look that video up uh called how was the afghan afghanistan war not a giant um money laundering operation i think that's what the title of that video was <laughs> um watch that it was great we looked into the like the actual the economics the amount of failed pro- not failed but projects that were clearly just like just to get some contractor rich um but this book called no country for uh no country for good men i believe it's called no 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 good men among mm. the living sorry no country no good men among mm. the living by anand gopal and he had this to say yeah. um in response to this washington post um reporter saying i can't understand how a force of over 300,000 with an annual budget of 3 to 4 billion dollars equipped with humvees msvs msvfvs helicopters a 29 fighters and advanced weapons is crumbling so quickly and easily an entire army corps surrendered to the taliban in kunduz today wapo reports and Adnan says, because fancy equipment can't provide legitimacy, which the Afghan government and its foreign backers have not had for a very long time. And that's exactly to the point that Nando was making. You know, you cannot force liberation on a people. And to say that is also imperialist. And so I'm feeling very conflicted personally because, I mean, it's not about me, right? I am not in the crosshairs of the fallout of this, but I did march against this war. And I was told time and time again of, by my country, think of the women, think of the children, think of the civilians in Afghanistan. This is why we have to go in. This is why we have to bring all of our weaponry into this country that we don't even know where it is on a map, right? Because 9-11, but liberation, but the freedom, but the, okay, okay, that was shoved down our throats. And so now I've got to muster the same, like some, I have to dust off what is the propaganda of war from real empathy for the people of Afghanistan who've been so dicked around, who've been so deceived and who've been, you know, displaced, murdered, lied to, et cetera. That is like, I'm trying to hold that, that is safe from the U.S. war machine propaganda that is safe from the, you know, fucking former generals writing open op-eds in the New York Times right now about how we should have gotten out differently. Or we just, oh, we just wait longer. Oh, do it, do, do, do it differently. It would have been the same story, fast or slow. It would have been the same. I'm, I'm like, I'm done. I'm just so done with this. I'm so done with this war. Give it to China. You know they're going to invade pretty soon. <laughs> Every superpower invades Afghanistan. Yeah. Shit. They're too smart. I gotta do it. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm curious about the U.S.-led businesses that are like that have spent the last 20 years building pipelines for oil and gas through Afghanistan, and how what's the shakedown of all of that? How is that going to play out for our our interests? Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time there dicking around, and uh, you know, honestly, it's like I don't understand how the they could have like strategized this. Uh, pull out any any worse for the people uh, on the ground i think that it's you mentioned i was just going to respond to that quickly and just say i feel like this withdrawal it feels like when you're breaking up with somebody that you know you had a shouldn't be with anyway you have bad relationship the whole thing was bad or fundamentally things weren't going right and then when you break up they say something terrible to you or they're kind of an asshole and you're like we shouldn't have been together like it's the same thing like there's no 
there's no like loving good way to get out of a bad relationship. It usually just kind of ends bad. And that's what like, there's no good way to get out of a bad war. That I mean, that's what I firmly believe. And I know that's controversial. And I'll, I know it seems like if we had gone slower, what would have happened? There would have been more firefights, more people dying. That's part of the reason that the president did leave to, you know, to, to avoid bloodshed. So I can't see how we could have done this better. But I do see going forward how some reparations and some actual assistance to Afghans on the ground could potentially help what we should have done in the first place. Sorry, Nando. No, I mean, I just I just want to point out that, um, you know, you mentioned the the women and children in Afghanistan. That's a, that's a line that you see from a lot of the NATSEC types and the generals and things like that who want to justify um, our continued presence in Afghanistan. And I would always get so annoyed because it was such a cynical use of of that. Like it's like they're you they're almost like using women like like human shield <laughs> because they don't give a shit about the women of Afghanistan. Yeah. Like, they really do not give a shit about her, about them. Like if they did, they would do this. They would do a humane refugee policy um, to to relocate them to to a safe place. But they that's never on the cards. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out that in 2019, the Washington Post published something called the Afghanistan Papers, one of the biggest leaks um, of Pentagon uh, documents and cables and things like that. Um, yes. That basically came and went and no one noticed yeah <laughs> but it was it was huge um at the time and uh it basically said that literally every single thing we heard coming out of afghanistan from the bush administration to the obama administration to the trump administration every single bit of information that was coming out from our government in afghanistan was a lie like all of it all of it was a lie and senator uh chris murphy from connecticut tweeted uh, did like a whole little tweet thread uh yesterday and when she was like i went to i, I was a part of a bipartisan uh delegation that went to vi visit afghanistan in 2011 to uh, observe how obama's surge was going in the countryside and we went to this this village and we talked to some of the elders and we asked them like what's the deal and they were like well the taliban used to raid our crops and uh now uh now because the us security forces are here um we still sell our crops to the taliban um but they at least pay us in full they don't like just steal them and we we're like that's great and and then chris murphy was like oh cool what do you grow and he's like oh look this is my giant poppy seed you know like they're basically you know like the us security forces they're basically um protecting a, a heroin trade yeah. that blossomed in Afghanistan after the U.S. invasion that was not there before. Um, and so everything about this was just so absurd, ridiculous, cynical. Um, you know, the the prolonged the, the justifications for the prolonged presence were always like incredibly hollow and thin. They didn't actually believe any of that stuff. Um, the only thing that mattered was that we kept going and, and that we kept sucking out, you know, resources and, and money and manpower uh, basically to fuel the U.S. war machine, which is just a perpetual um, moving thing that unless someone like, you know, bless him, Joe Biden, just pulled the plug. At some point, you just got to pull the plug and it's going to be painful and there's going to be blowback oh, and there's the going to be people at home. I mean, the political blowback is, be really, all kinds of is really interesting, right? You know, he's they the right is going to have a field day over this, even though if Trump had won, he would have done the exact same thing. Trump, in fact, mm -hmm. kudos to Trump. Trump was the one who was going to get out of Afghanistan first. He said we were leaving yeah. first. It's like the only thing um, that I'll give yeah. him a shit cookie for. Jennifer, any final thoughts on this? Oh, um, I mean, I'm not saying that, uh, 
you that that I believe, you know, that we should have been there or that I support uh, this being an ongoing thing. But I do think there is going to be um, a huge brain drain. I think there's going to be like consequences for people on the ground. Yeah. And I think it's going to suck. And it's like we should no, none of the propaganda that we were espousing to stay there or be there in the first place is at all legitimate. But at the same time, it's like uh, now we've left these people on their own devices unprepared. And it, it's I just think it's not going to it's not going to end well for them. Yeah. No. no and, and I just I just want to say that, you know, I'm a particularly bitter about this topic. But uh, again, I do think that there can be a road forward. I mean, I, I guess it's such a it's such an example of internationalism that fails when it comes to, you know, international militaries trying to liberate people, you know, and send a few troops from Italy, a few troops from the UK, troops from Australia, just this, yeah, just a international war occupation liberation. See how that works? And I think that the people, and I know this feels woo-woo, but I'm going to go there. The people have a different internationalism to show and that I hope we can bring on to this podcast, but that we can also share resources um, of actual organizations that aren't like low key USAID covers, you know, or like some kind of like neo-colonial, but like actual things that are supporting groups on the ground who, who are staying, who are trying to live under the Taliban. And look, to be fair, to the Taliban, which they don't deserve, but supposedly they're going to, like, write a law where women can, like, serve in government, and which they have been. Afghans got, Af- Afghanistan's got, like, a pretty, um, very diverse parliament, or did. So, like, who knows? Maybe they're going to turn over a new leaf. I'm not holding my breath, but I'm just saying, like, we can't also come to this with an imperial mindset, even though we don't, you know... Like we don't have to, they don't have to be our BFFs, but we also have to respect some amount of sovereignty. So anyway, all that said, it's, fu- it's fucked up, but hopefully we can going forward really support the you know people on the ground uh, and circumvent our government, which has been so monstrous on this. Oh my God, we're going to get happy at some point. I swear. Uh, before we go to our final segment, keeping it 100, I think I'm going to read a few more comments. Um, uh, J Pizzy rocks on Twitch. Sounds like Vietnam. We never learn. No, but 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 Blinken said it was not like Saigon. There was no there's no mm. helicopters and roof liftoffs. Mm. Yet there still might be someone might nab that photo. Um, Sirloins ten fourteen. The goal wasn't to quote unquote win. The goal was to funnel as much taxpayer cash to defense contractors as they possibly could. Yes, and and Nando spoke to that. And I just want to say. When I say failure, I, I said this in our gi- my giant stream on Afghanistan. There was no barometer for what success even looked like. No one knew. Like Malala Yousafzai is in college. That's cool. Was that the barometer? Like, was that it? You know, like what what was success? You know, nobody knew. Nobody knew. Not even the guys, not even, you know, generals knew what the fuck we were doing there. Uh, Mad maple syrup with the interest payments. The war will eventually cost over $10 trillion and won't be paid off until 2050. That's okay. We just write some IOUs. It'll be chill. Uh, Levi Spriggs. So we agreed that Taliban is indeed faster than Amazon two-day delivery. Whoa. Just about. that. They're, this is like Taliban prime. 
for sure. Uh, and thank you, Super Chats, Carrie Venus, Stephanie Smith, Chuck Diesel, Cooking Edibles Dragon, Noemi Green, uh, and Yulva. <laughs> and thank you to our new Twitch subs, Brandy Lou 2, Insatiable Kara, Fat Guy Named Tiny, Donnie C46, Lizzie Nepon, and Pagan Communist. Love y'all. Um, let's go to our final segment, you guys. This is the 100th episode of this podcast. I'm so happy to be with Jennifer and Nando talking about sad things, talking about anti-vax come. But in order to keep it 100, I'm going to do a final segment of like, what is that take? What is that thought, that like kernel of truth that you have inside of you that you're like, you know what? I don't care on how unpopular this is. This is my truth. Um, let's keep it 100. Okay, I will keep it 100. Even though I hope to be continually in this industry, I do want to say my truth, my keeping it 100, is most television and most movies are garbage. 98.9% of all TV shows are trash. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to look. I started watching Ozark trash, dude. Like it was good. It was okay. And then you're like, wait, why is everyone letting this fucking middle-aged white couple have a run of a town? This makes no sense. A mayor of East town. And everyone's like, no, you got to keep watching it. No, I, I'm out of it. As soon as like, there's a bad actor or like a horribly written line in this case, in like mayor of East town, like the first episode, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's like, this like really terrible ex-boyfriend who's like the father of this this young woman who's killed like uh of their child and he's like why are you such a bitch you whore you're just a whore and you're like who talks like that nobody said this is the mother of your child why would you even like what hollywood writer in the hills you've wrote never been that to philly she, uh, clearly Juju. maybe that's a philly dialect that we're not aware you're of you're a whore um, anyway, so when most dramas, most comedies, I don't find them funny. I don't most most movies suck. It's that it's that point. What's it? I'm bad at math. That's my other thing. Whatever the leftover is, one point two percent of television and movies that are good. Game of Thrones worth it until the end. Um, that's mm. my that is my keeping it one hundred opinion. Jennifer, what is your keeping it one hundred opinion? I have to say, I totally agree with you. I always feel bad that people are like, what are you watching? What are you doing? What are you consuming? Who's your, and I'm like, nobody, everybody sucks. I hate it. Uh, this is an I'm reading books. Yeah. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Oh, well, okay. Smarty excuse pants me. with all the books. The bachelor like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm going to put a background of books. So I look smart. Yeah. It's all um, bullshit. Thank yeah. you. I feel validated. They're all, they're all empty. Um, but no, I'm totally validating because I feel like it's all garbage as well. Um, keeping it 100. Uh, I was supposed to go to a shooting range this morning, but I didn't because I was having to outsource my dog and do other things to be ready to be on the show. However, you outsourced um, your dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You put him in a kennel for the show. I love that. I actually have been thinking about renting. Oh, I thought you shipped him off to Mexico. <laughs> not, no, 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 we're not like out. So it's not like <laughs> she's not like doing like technical support in India. She's like outsourcing. Like I'm pretty much letting people borrow her for the day oh. because she brings so much joy to everyone else's life. She's uh. a super happy dog. But my keeping it 100 isn't about outsourcing my dog. It's about that. Um, 
I I'm I super want to learn how to use weapons. That's my keeping it 100. Oh. I think that we are spiraling. Um, I don't know. The I personally am always like one. I, I have to say I'm kind of I'm one conspiracy theory away from thinking like it's we're going straight to like, you know, some sort of uh, some sort zombie apocalypse situation where we're all yeah. going to have to like. You know what the scariest part for me is the wild packs of dogs. Like I think, you know, Octavia Butler's parable of the sower, like that's part of it. And you're just like, I could deal with the weed, like the like flesh eating zombies, but like the dogs, I'm like, here, sweetie. Like, how do you, I, you can't talk down a pack of dogs. No. They don't, you know, you, you have to, you have to mow them down. I was like cornered by a wild pack of dogs. <laughs> you do. I was cornered by a wild pack of dogs in Palestine one day. And I was like, uh, it's me or them. Like, this is a bad scenario. Bro. I don't know how I Did got out of it, them? but I was like, I might have to fight my way out of this. Jesus. I gave you way more I, than a hundred. I gave you like hundred. Wow. Right you know, I got to say, mm -hmm. I did a weapons training for a shoot like years ago in 20, this was in 2014. I did like one of those like movie uh, consultants came in and like that works with like actors and teaches them how to hold a gun and stuff. And I, I learned how to do a combat role into a crouching, you know, shooting position uh they would like toss me a pump action shotgun and i would catch it by oh the hell yeah oh hell like, yeah aim, all right. you know That's like i did all fun. kinds of cool weapons moves uh i highly recommend it, <laughs> it was so fun really? <laughs> you know? this is yeah. this was just like a thing you can do or this was training for a movie that you haven't been in i it was for a shoot for a show that i was doing yeah oh, in 2014 and on Fusion. i thought it was yeah. a group what on? happened to the show did it come out so it got canceled, yeah, like everything else. <laughs> you know, it came out, but then it got canceled. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it was a lot of fun. I highly, highly recommend someone it. throwing you. I just want to like, like, put, like, do a cartwheel around a table and like roundhouse kick and then grab a, yeah, you want to do like a sequence, like, you want to do like a whole thing, yeah, okay. But keeping it 100, we have to yeah. be armed. I like that. I am a pacifist lib and uh, or lefty. I'm just like, I don't want to shoot. <laughs> But but I I respect that Jennifer Nando. What are you keeping it one hundred about? I I'm keeping it one hundred about a woman named Wendy Dang. I don't know if you guys have heard of Wendy Dang. Uh, we were talking about her at dinner last night, and I just like she's one of my favorite subjects because Wendy Dang huh? used to be with Rupert Murdoch, uh, and then she yes. cheated on him with Tony Blair, <laughs> oh my God. and then she's Ew. rumored to be Ew. with Vladimir. And then she's rumored to be with Vladimir Putin. And Yo. I'm like, what is this woman? She's like from China. Yeah. Born in China. Um, you know, like a regular one of the billions of people in China. Not like a, uh, you know, she wasn't like part of the ruling class or anything like that. Okay. Who has risen through the ranks to date the th three of the most powerful men in the world. And I just feel like someone needs to do a documentary on yes. her. Like, this is a free idea for anyone in the audience. Seek out a documentary on Wendy Dang. Like, what is this woman? She must be like the most charming. Uh, she must have Yo, something. Her pussy made of gold. Okay. That is. It I wasn't going to say it, but like. You know I'm it is. It, you know, like what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, also, I think the people we're talking about, not that bright, not that smart. Um, but like, so that helps, you know, when you're like wooing really dumb people and you just, you know, you just fluff them and tell them what they want to hear. But yeah, Wendy Dang. I just Google, I just found this Wendy Dang, the evil genius who hangs with Ivanka and probably bangs Putin. Oh, like, 
And Tony Blair and Rupert Murdoch. It's funny that out of all, like, the Murdoch and Putin, the Blair one is, I'm like, ew, I mm, pass. That's the grossest It's, like, somehow the grossest, even though Murdoch is disgusting. And one of my Keeping It 100 was, like, you know, maybe we should, you know, Merck Murdoch. Oh, I didn't say it. Um, All right. Let's let's look at the comments. Keeping 100 in the comments, low-key was good. Vaccines should be mandated. Audiobooks are better. Whoa. Whoa. 98.9% of everything is garbage. Game of Thrones with nothing special. Ooh. Shots fired. Um, what else? Okay. Um, that is it, you guys. We've done a show. We've done the 100th episode. Holy shit. Jennifer Jajay, thank you for being here. How, how can people follow you and your work? Find me on Twitter at Jen Jajay. That's the best way to follow me. I'm not obviously not doing shows because I'm not a maniac going up doing a five minute bar set and risking everybody's life. So <laughs> right now I'm not doing shows, but I'm on Zoom a lot. And, um, you know, maybe in an outdoor venue coming to an outdoor venue near you soon. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds lovely. I've been risking it all just for that five minutes of fame. Thank you, Jennifer. Be very well. Everybody follow Jennifer on Twitter uh, and take care. Nando Villa, Villa, that was weird. Nando Villa, what do you, what do you, where can the people find you and your work? How can we follow you? At Twitter, at Nando Arvila is probably the best place or on, you know, the Jacobin YouTube channel. I'm all over the place there. We didn't talk about Messi, Lionel, and no, that's a shame. It's okay. Next time. But next time we'll make it all about football. You know, the World Cup is coming back. Real soon, I hear. Um, Yes, follow Nando. Listen to the weekends on Jacobin or the Jacobin weekends. Um, And thank you so much for joining me. Of course. My pleasure. All right. Take good care. And thank you, people out there. I saw some requests for different stickers. You guys, let's roll them out slowly. We're rolling them out. We're getting it done. Uh, But for the time being, Situationroom.com is where you can go to get your merch. I'm wearing a Frantifa shirt, which has got the backwards uh, Antifa flags as the F, um, you know. And this is a shout out to Marissa Cruz, who did the artwork for the I, the the logo for the Bituation Room way back when and did this. And she's just wonderful. She worked with us at AJ Plus on Newsbroke. She's just the most talented person ever. And... In addition to the most talented uh, people like her are my entire team, Becca Roofer, who's been with me since the beginning of these streams, uh, to Ellie Hoffman, associate producer, rocking it behind the scenes as long as her cat doesn't step on the keyboard and then it's in front of the camera. Um, And to Maximilian Inhoff, who's on the back end of YouTube crushing it, to Alexandra Ornes, who's been helping us out on the socials. We got so many good people. So thank you. Thank you all out there for being um, patron supporters. And hey, if you can't afford it, I get it. Give this podcast five stars on Apple. That truly helps. Let us know what your favorite episode was. I'm so curious. Who do you want back on? Who do you miss? Um, Let us know. And all patrons, check out uh, your inbox because I got a code coming to you so you can get um, free swag. Love y'all. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it.